they say that whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think it is the biggest myth and the biggest lie in the history of humankind and in the history of personal growth and transformation where I work. Why do I say that? Because if that was true, we'd be surrounded by truly evolved, transformed, beautiful human beings. But unfortunately, any psychologist will tell you that often our experiences in life don't really make us stronger. Unfortunately, a lot of our experiences in life make us traumatized. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Do you remember that moment? In the beginning of 2020, when you were told that your country is going to go on lockdown or quarantine, I'm sure most of us in the countries where some form of lockdown had happened. And if you remember what was your first experience, what was your first thought, just think of that first moment when you realized that your life in 2020 is going to be different. I remember my experience very well because I am co-founder of Mind Valley, but I'm also the face of Mind Valley in Russian language. And once a year, we have this huge event for Mind Valley Russian community, and it was supposed to be in the end of April. In the end of April in Armenia, and I remember March very well when we were trying to make this hard decision that maybe we'll have to cancel the event or do it some other way. And in the end, we decided very quickly to do the event online. We decided not to cancel it completely, but it was a very complicated emotional process. And of course, since then, I've been on a lot of events online. I've spoken online a lot. And the question that I've got often was this. So how do you deal with uncertainty? Because suddenly we realize in 2020, most of us realize that we live in the environment of uncertainty, that uncertainty is something which happens. But what I'm trying to say, and probably that's the main message of my today's presentation is that uncertainty is actually the only certain thing in life. And that certainty is an illusion. Because if you think a little early in 2020, let's say when the new year was coming, the year 2020, and we tend to have our plans for the year, where will I go? What kind of goals do I want to set and what to achieve? You know, how do I want to change, grow, learn, maybe career goals, then when our countries were put on lockdown, we suddenly realized that we have to change. But the truth is that in March, our plan to make this event in Armenia was not any more uncertain than it was in January. The difference was our awareness, awareness of how uncertain life actually is, that the only certain thing in life is uncertainty. Because our plans in January and in March were just the same possibility of them happening. Our awareness was a little different. So my main point of today's presentation is that uncertainty is the only certain thing in life. And the idea of certainty is an illusion. And I've heard this really interesting idea that our discomfort with uncertainty is actually playing a very tricky game with us. Because what happens is that we are trying to do something to feel a little more certain. We're trying to do something so that we don't feel this discomfort of not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. 
In fact, this whole year, I've been remembering this quote from a favorite novel of mine by a Russian author, Bulgakov. He has a beautiful novel called Master Margarita. And in that novel, one of the main characters who says, and it's a little bit dark joke, but I hope you take my dry <laughs> Russian humor. He says, you know, human beings are mortal. And that would have been half the problem. They're mortal unexpectedly. That's a bigger problem. So the truth that uncertainty is part of our life is something that we have to become comfortable with. And the question is, how do we thrive in this situation when everything is uncertain? So going back to this idea that we are trying to fight uncertainty and how it's a tricky thing, I want to maybe bring a little bit more practical example. A lot of people think that starting a business, becoming an entrepreneur is a risky thing. And a lot of people say, be a little bit more secure, get yourself a safe, secure job. And we think we equate security with working for someone else. In fact, Robert Kiyosaki, in one of his books, not the most famous book, but the book Cashflow Quadrant, was busting the myth of employment being a comfortable, certain position in life. In fact, he suggests that being self-employed or being entrepreneur, and I'm not very discriminate right now about how are you self-employed and what does it mean to be entrepreneur, it can be literally just self-employed, is a much more secure position in life because you depend on yourself. The thing with trying to fight uncertainty is that when we fight uncertainty, we are trying to find the solutions where the decision is not in our hands. So since I don't have to make a decision, I don't have to take the responsibility, then I feel more secure. It's in a way like being a child. A child feels secure with the parents because the parents have the responsibility for everything that happens in a child's life. But it is an illusion, as I said. Certainty is an illusion. And this kind of security is also an illusion. And in fact, you are much more safe in my current example, being self-employed, being responsible for your own income, being responsible for what you do, than giving this power, this power, this responsibility to someone else. That's why today I wanted to talk about uncertainty. And even though we are kind of used to not knowing what's going to happen, we're used to being in the lockdown, in quarantines. I just moved from Asia to Europe, and even though it happened in June and we already used the situation, there was still a lot of uncertainty. I didn't want to wait because I'm not sure, you know, if the second wave is coming, if we are going to be locked down again. So no matter how we feel about 2020 and all the events of 2020, the learning point, the message of this whole thing that life is not certain and we don't know what tomorrow is bringing is going to be valid this year and next year and throughout our whole life. I actually came up with my own model, how to thrive in uncertainty. And this model consists of three parts. Part number one is fulcrum. Part number two is adaptability. And part number three is a lighthouse, having a lighthouse. So I'm going to go deeper into all of those three parts and talk about them. And I hope that at the end of this presentation, you'll have something practical, maybe even I'll share a technique how to evolve in these parts. So the part number one, Falkram. I learned this from a friend of mine. He's a speaker and an author from South Africa slash India, Shamal. I read his book because he asked me to leave reference to his book and I was really taken in by this idea. So his book is about balance. And in his book, he's talking about what is balance? How do you achieve balance? So if you think of a system of balance, let's say like a seesaw system, 
It consists of a central point, a fulcrum, and on that central point, there is a lever which is balanced. So if you want to create, physically create a mechanical balance system, you need a central point and a lever on which you can put your force or your loads. So that creates a balanced system. So if you imagine a very simple balance system, that you, like a seesaw, it seems straightforward. But let's say if you replace the central point, the fulcrum, where the lever is resting with a ball, then the system is a little bit out of balance. It's much harder to balance the system. If you replace this ball, let's say it was a wooden ball with an inflatable balloon, the system goes out of balance even more. And if you don't place this fulcrum on a level ground, but say on a slightly wobbly surface, then the system is out of balance even more. So in this example, Shamal was talking about fulcrum as being the most central point of a balancing system. If you want to achieve balance in life, I'm not translating into practical life, you need to work on your fulcrum. And I want to give you another example just to make it a little bit more relatable to everyday life. I was once going to speak in Kazakhstan. I was flying from, I think, America to Kazakhstan, and I had a flight through Turkey, Istanbul. And unfortunately, my flight was delayed, so I couldn't catch my next flight to Kazakhstan. And I was left in Istanbul with only my carry-on luggage and no certainty that I'll catch my flight. And I remember how, if you've been in this kind of situation, you know how stressful it is to be in this kind of situations. And I remember this night in the hotel bathroom because I didn't even have anything to brush my teeth with or, you know, I was wondering what do you sleep in. And I was standing in this bathroom looking in the mirror. I suddenly realized that, you know, as long as I catch my flight the next day, I don't need anything to go to Kazakhstan and deliver my speech, which is the main point of my trip, to deliver a speech, to make a point, to deliver a message. And for that, I don't really need my suitcase, which I didn't know where it was. I didn't need anything. I didn't need to brush my teeth. I didn't even need, honestly, clean clothes. All I needed was myself. My experience and my knowledge were not lost just because I missed a flight. And that realization was really liberating because I realized as long as I have myself in clear mind and consciousness, I'll be fine. So this idea of a fulcrum, of the balancing system, and this idea of as long as I have myself is exactly the same point. Fulcrum, in the conditions of uncertainty, you are the fulcrum. As long as you have yourself, as long as you have your sanity, as long as you work on yourself and your well-being, you will balance any system and uncertainty is not as scary. So that is my first point. Be your own fulcrum and that will help you to thrive in uncertainty. The second component is adaptability. And this is a little maybe more complicated. Here I want to start with a saying which I'm sure you would have heard and you're welcome to comment if you've heard that, if you've said that, if you've ever thought that. They say that whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think it is the biggest myth and the biggest lie in the history of humankind and in the history of personal growth and transformation where I work. Why do I say that? Because if that was true, we'd be surrounded by truly evolved, transformed, beautiful human beings. But unfortunately, any psychologist will tell you that often 
our experiences in life don't really make us stronger. Unfortunately, a lot of our experiences in life make us traumatized or make us a little more closed or a little less us or a little less brilliant or bright or courageous. Because the truth is that whatever doesn't kill you doesn't necessarily make you stronger. Every experience in life gives us like a turning point, a crossroad, a choice. Every experience in life comes with a possibility of transformation and a possibility of trauma. And both are likely, both transformation and trauma are just as likely. So I have developed a formula and my formula is like this. Transformation equals experience plus consciousness. So experience in life has a possibility of transformation or trauma, but whether it will be transformation or trauma depends on your context, depends on how conscious you are in this experience. What are you going to do with this experience? Can you take the best out of this experience and really grow, transform and change? Or are you going to let this experience curse you or break you or make you a little less? So my formula is transformation equals experience plus consciousness. So transformation is obviously the first component of adaptability. To adapt, you need to change, obviously, because that's the whole natural process of how things evolve. Tiha Becker, one of the authors that I also truly admire, says that whatever doesn't grow dies. So obviously for adaptability, we need to transform. But here I mentioned another component of adaptability, because this is a necessary component for transformation, and it is consciousness. Consciousness is probably one of the most important habits you can develop if you want to grow and transform. If you want to live a better life every day to have a slightly better day. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining Mind Valley All Access. Now you can sign up to Mind Valley All Access and unlock every Mind Valley program instantly. Get access to transformation from all of the world's best minds in everything from parenting to biohacking to mind, body, spirit, entrepreneurship, work productivity. Learn from the likes of Ben Greenfield, Jim Quick, Shafali Sabari, Stephen Kotler, and more. All available to you for less than $2 a day. Simply visit mindvalley.com forward slash now. That's mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. And you'll be surprised to see that Mindvalley All Access now comes with advanced technologies to completely transform your learning, your networks, and your human connections, including our new private social network for students, Connections by Mindvalley, and our Altered State Inducement app, Ombana, which complements our regular training with Altered State methodologies to transform you at a subconscious level. Check it all out on mindvalley.com forward slash N-O-W. Mindvalley.com forward slash now. And here I want to start from maybe a little distance. I want to ask you, and you're welcome to comment, please do. Can you remember the most important decisions in your life? Think how many decisions were there. You can write the most important decision in your life, or you can say, I've had like, let's say, five, ten most important decisions in my life. Usually when we think about decisions in our life, we think of something very huge, something like, what am I going to study? What kind of job I'm going to have? Which city am I going to live? Who am I going to form a relationship? Am I going to start a family? Am I going to have children? We think of this kind of decisions, and we 
live believing that these decisions are the decisions that shape our life. And in some way they do, but they're like the basement of the house. They can shape our life, but they are not the ones that truly matter in everyday life, unfortunately. And you can think of people that you know, let's say two of your former classmates or people you went to university with, who probably would have had a very similar path with you. They studied the same thing. They maybe got similar jobs, similar salaries, live in similar kind of cities, have made similar life choices, but welcoming you right now to think of people that you know, but one might be truly happy, fulfilled, bubbly individual, and the other one might be a completely different kind of individual, person who is unhappy or unhealthy, in bad shape. And you might think that the big decisions in their life were exactly the same. So what I'm trying to say is that our life is actually shaped out of small decisions. And try to imagine how many small decisions do you take on a daily basis? You are also welcome to leave a number. How many small decisions do we take on a daily basis? And I'm talking about everyday decisions, how to go to work, what to wear, what to eat for breakfast. I'm hungry. What do I do? Do I snack? Do I have a proper meal? What do I snack with? Somebody talks to you. How do you respond? How do you react? You hear something you don't like. Do you take it personally? How do you explain it? If you think of that, how many decisions do you take every day? So scientists have tried to calculate and they can't come to a common number. So there is a number anywhere between 3,000 to 35,000 small decisions on a daily basis. And these are the decisions which actually shape you. So a few years ago, well, actually almost 10 years ago, me and Vishen, we were taking live work for the first time. And it's a long process. It's four days. We did a live training. It was a four days process where we were planning our life, setting our goals in 12 categories. And I was wondering, because there were so many strategies, goals, ideas, you know, realizations in those four days. I was thinking, what do I do with all of that? This huge overwhelm. What do I do with all these discoveries. And on the last day, we did this beautiful exercise where we had to prioritize our goals. We picked one goal to focus on for the next 30 days. And we picked the goal which mattered the most, which probably would have improved most number of life categories. And I picked, I still remember, that was the first thing I worked on when I started my path in personal growth and transformation. I picked consciousness as a habit. I wanted to learn to be more conscious about my everyday life decisions. And surprisingly, I discovered how much potential I have in my life. I came home, for example, from work, tired and exhausted. And when I was doing things not on autopilot, but consciously thinking, if I do this, what does it mean in the long run? If I choose this, what does it mean in the long run? I suddenly discovered that for me, playing a piano or harp is as relaxing as watching a TV show. And I opted for piano because it develops my brain as well as it relaxes me. And this kind of small decisions, I actually really love, you know, certain healthy fruits like snacks. I love carrots. Before, I wouldn't ever think of a carrot as a snack. But when I realized that I like it as much almost as a chocolate, you know, these little things, it seems simple little things, but they are the ones that form our life, shape our life, which is why consciousness is the most important habit that you can think of. Of course, I want to share some ideas how to develop consciousness, because probably the best thing you can do for yourself in the conditions of uncertainty is to switch off autopilot because we live our lives on autopilot without conscious thought. And there is a reason for that because there is such a thing as decision fatigue and we really need to make it simpler for us. So there are little things what you can do to train your consciousness. 
Thing number one is trigger this habit to some daily activities. For example, every time when I drink water, which I'm going to do right now, I'm going to remember that today I'm practicing consciousness. So as I drink water, I'm going to remind myself, okay, consciousness. And actually not much is needed. All you need to do is just slow down and be in the present moment. Consciousness is literally just being in the present moment, switching off the autopilot, realizing what is happening. What is my decision going to do to me in the long run or to do it to my life? Another simple thing is to do things, familiar things in a new way. The classical thing, put your toothbrush in another hand and let that remind you of consciousness, training the consciousness as your today's task. Or let's say if you're used to eating certain meals in a certain place, you know, sit in a different place, start a meal in a different way, you know, add a different ritual to your meal, thank your food or look at its colors or, or sniff it and smell it. Just add some new things to your daily rituals, to things that you do on a daily basis and you do on autopilot and you have switched off consciousness in those activities forever. I know it is a necessary process in the future, but for training consciousness, it's really good to bring awareness back to everything that happens to you through the day. And probably the most important way to train consciousness is the habit of introspection. It's very useful right now, especially in those countries where self-isolation is still imposed, where you still have to be social distancing and, and not interacting with other people because it's emotionally a difficult time for a lot of people. So introspection is a very good habit. I would really suggest you to add if you haven't done that. And it is very simple. At the end of the day, you sit down and you think, what have you thought? What have you felt through the day? Mostly what have you felt through the day, especially the highlights. When you were at the height of intense emotion, for example, what did you feel? What did you think? Ask yourself, what does it mean? What does it mean about you? What does it say about your values? Last thing, just think, do you want to change anything about that? Do you want to change anything about your life? Because whatever you felt, whatever you thought, highlighted certain values about you. And that habit of introspection actually brings consciousness to your life experience. And your life experience stop being on autopilot and you stop following certain patterns. You start noticing things which maybe you didn't notice. I strongly recommend this as a habit, as a habit also to thrive in uncertainty because this is part of transformation. And last bit for adaptability is actually the art of letting go of moving on. And this is a hard one because on one side, it's super easy to let go. But on the other side, it's almost impossible. So here, of course, such practices as forgiveness are very important. Of course, I'm not going to make an exercise for forgiveness because I don't. I only have half an hour to present to you. But we have forgiveness meditations. You're welcome to do that. Forgiveness is a form of letting go, of moving on. To thrive in uncertainty, you have to learn to let go. You have to learn to be okay with things not working out your way, with people not feeling or talking or doing what you want. I had to let go of my plans. I had to let go of my hopes and maybe some dreams. So it's an important habit to thrive in uncertainty, learning to let go. And here, I'm not going to share a technique, but I want to share one very interesting idea I read about. Humankind's society has very different approach to emotions depending on social setup. 
So let's say emotion of shame in certain countries is much more intense than in others. For example, in Russia and Latin America, emotions of jealousy are more intense than, let's say, in the Western environment. The idea of losing face is very strong in Japan, but it is maybe not as intense for Western society. So in the old days, people used to die of the feeling of nostalgia. Nostalgia is this feeling which nowadays people think is this cushy, cozy, warm, nice feeling about the past. You know, I had such beautiful life or I had such a beautiful experience and people actually don't mind nostalgia. But think of the fact that in the old days, the last death from nostalgia happened actually in the beginning of the 20th century. And I read in Brené Brown's book, and I really love this idea, where she says that nostalgia, despite it being cushy, squishy, warm emotion that people like, is something very damaging to us. Because people who live in the past, who hold on to the past, they tend to not have something in the future to attract them to. You can think of that if you've seen the animated movie Up, it's this main character. When he lost his wife, his dream, his life literally ended. And here I'm going to the third component of thriving in uncertainty. I called it a lighthouse. No matter what happens in our life, we have to have the lighthouse to guide us through the uncertainty, through the rocky sea, through the dark times. No matter how much we have to give up our dreams and hopes and our plans, we still have to be able to have this lighthouse because otherwise nostalgia, living in the past, they are the path to depression. When you don't have something to look forward to, you're going to stop losing the joy of life in the now. So here, again, I'm going to give you just a little idea. Even when your plans change, your dreams, your dreams don't have to be cancelled. Your dreams can still stay, even if the circumstances change. Circumstances do change all the time, but dreams don't have to. So I want to invite you to continue dreaming, to continue dreaming because dreams don't depend on circumstances. And here I want to come back to this event that I was talking about, the Mind Valley Russian community event. It was called Mind Valley Summit, which was supposed to happen in the end of April. And we had to cancel the live event. But the thing is that no matter what the circumstances are, humans stay the same and our needs stay the same. So I told my team, I don't care that we can't travel anymore. I don't care that we have to be online. The truth is that we still have the same need to connect, the same need to feel support, to know that I'm not alone in this experience. We still have the same need to learn, to grow, and the same need for fun. So we made this event because it doesn't matter that the circumstances changed. What mattered is that the people have the same needs and we can still solve them. We can still help them solve the needs. So your dreams don't have to change when the circumstances change. I heard another interesting analogy. And the analogy is somebody said, you know, the economic crisis is coming. I'm panicking. And somebody said every economic crisis is the time when the Forbes fortune companies get reshuffled because the truth stay the same. We humans don't change, even if we have to live in a different way. So keep dreaming, keep transforming. If you can, add the habit of consciousness into your daily rituals and be the fulcrum in your life. And thank you. Thank you for this. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast.
If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.